Welcome to Hunting Stories, brought to you by Late to the Game Outdoors. Everyone loves a good story, and hunters have some of the best. Our whole mission is to collect and share great stories from hunters just like you, to entertain and keep you motivated all year long. So, pull up a seat around the campfire, because here we go. All right, welcome to another episode of Hunting Stories. Uh, hey, this is a story that I I kind of forgot about, to be honest. It's uh, it's my my December uh, solo archery mule deer hunt uh, from from this past year. Uh, that honestly, like, not that you necessarily care, but uh, I had this elk hunt film that I had been working on for close to six months. And there was so much footage, it had filled up my computer. It was the only thing I could work on. And I finally finished that so I could clear some hard drive space. And I started immediately digging through all this old footage that I had just kind of piled up on memory cards and hard drives. And and remembered that, and I didn't forget I went on the hunt, but just going through uh, all the footage, I thought, oh man, there was a lot that happened in that uh, three-day solo trip. Uh, and so why not share the story? So... What uh, what happened uh, is that this is the December over-the-counter deer season here in Arizona. Uh, in Arizona, we're, we're not like as well-known as, you know, a Colorado or an Idaho or Montana or whatever for, for just boundless hunting opportunities. But we have some pretty good opportunities if you're willing to hunt with a bow and, and do some, some homework and some exploration. Uh, for instance, our over-the-counter deer tag is good for three different seasons. Like, each hunter is allowed to harvest one buck in a calendar year. It, during whatever hunt, whatever method, you get one buck. And so in January, you can buy yourself a tag at Walmart or wherever uh, and head out. There's basically a chart of here's all the units and here's when they're open. And so in January, a lot of units, the whole month of January is wide open. In most parts of the state, that's when the rut is going. It's a, it's a great time to be out there hunting. But if for whatever reason you don't connect on a deer, that same tag, you just put it in your bag, uh, then the end of August, the early velvet season kicks off. Take that same tag, go out for a couple weeks, you've got opportunities on bucks then. Uh, after that, throughout the fall, there's the rifle seasons, which are all draw hunts, but if you, if you draw one, then that's your, a chance to harvest your one deer. And if for whatever reason you didn't draw or you weren't able to connect on that rifle hunt, you still have that same archery tag, which is good again for some portion of December in a lot of the units as well. So December is a great, like, if you've just had a rough year and you haven't been able to connect and you still haven't filled your deer tag, uh, I always look at that as like the last ditch effort, chase anything that's out there. Like the tag says any antler deer, and that is my policy in the December hunt. Like whatever little forky buck I see, I'm putting a stock on because I still haven't filled the tag. And the beauty of it is that tag usually ends December 31st, January 1st of the following year. You can pick yourself up a fresh tag for the next year and get right back out there. Um, it's terrific. I love it. And so 2019, uh, it was a slump year for me freezer was empty. I had not connected with anything. And so right after the Christmas holiday and, and wrapping up some of that, I took the last three days of the year to head out solo into an area I had been a couple times the year before where, where I wasn't seeing big bucks, but I was getting into deer every day, like just glassing them up every day, all day long, 
Uh, it's kind of a nursery area, a lot of does and fawns and, and forky bucks, but that's perfect for December, especially like I'm not looking for giants. I'm just looking for opportunity and there's lots of opportunity in this area. So I had initially planned to go a couple days earlier and then this freak winter rain, sleet, snowstorm blew through the entire state. Uh, and so I delayed my, my plans a couple days. And so was finally able to get out there on the 29th. Uh, left my house at like three in the morning to drive up to to the, the trailhead. And uh, the spot I wanted to go is kind of along this old road that's been closed down to motorized travel for a decade or more. Um, so it's pretty easy hiking in and then you can kind of branch off the road and there's some glassing points I have marked out where I usually have good luck. Uh, and so I start hiking in there and I just, I get a quarter mile down the, the trail and there's this this creek crossing that I remember from the, the year before that I was in uh, where there was, it was deep enough to where you have to like pay attention to where you step. Like you have to find a rock or a particularly shallow place or like you just have to sort of be careful, keep your boots dry, uh, but you get over it and then that's the end. So I, I was already packing in with extra water because I had, every time I had been back there before, there was never any water. Well, with all the moisture we had had and that fresh snowstorm that's melting off the peaks all around the area, uh, that little single stream became this four-part river crossing that was deep enough, like you have to take your boots off and roll your pants up. Um, it was in the high 20s that morning when I left the Jeep, and so that water is just ice cold. Uh, I always seem to forget something on a backpacking trip. And this time I had forgotten my Crocs cause I didn't plan to be crossing rivers. So I, uh, I, I won't lie to you. I almost turned back. Like it was early. I was tired. It was, it was surprisingly cold. And just like from headlamp looking at this massive expanse of, of river that I had to cross, I really thought like, I don't know if I can do this. I might have to find a different spot to go hunt. And uh, fortunately, I just decided to power through. Feet froze. It was super painful. Um, but, you know, another mile down the road, I got uh, feeling back on my toes. And I know if you're listening to this in a different part of the country, you're probably thinking, like, what a wuss. Like, this, it, you cross rivers when you hunt. It's no big deal. In Arizona, we don't. So it was a, a new experience for me, for sure. And that, I mean, that was the worst river crossing, but there were like five more between that point and when I finally got to where I wanted to be camping and glassing and hunting. Um, one of which I made the poor decision not to uh, take my boots off and it was deeper than I thought. Water ran, rushed up and over the ankles of my boots, just soaked them. So I was in wet feet for a while after that. Anyway. I hike my way in. By the time I get to where I want to be, it's, it's you know, 45 minutes, an hour later than I expected to be at my glassing point because all the river crossing slowed me down. And uh, there are icicles in my beard and mustache. It's just so cold. But uh, I, I get to my glassing point. I set my pack down. I'm messing with my tripod and just kind of scanning the, the slopes that I plan to glass. And with my naked eye, I pick up some deer feeding under a tree. Um great sign. So I, uh, finally get the, the glass set up and I start glassing and picking apart. And, and that group that I saw with my eye was, uh, seemed to be all does and fawns, but then I pick up a buck who's moving pretty quickly, um, kind of in my direction on the other side of the drainage. 
So I decided to just get up and, and try to head him off once I figured which direction I thought he was going in. So I, I left all my gear, just grabbed my bow and a camera and just ran over. And uh, that, that deer vanished. He was moving at a pretty good clip. Like he wasn't meandering and feeding. Like he was, he was on his way somewhere. Um, and he just, four legs always outruns too. So uh, I got up to where I thought he would be, couldn't pick him up. And while I was standing there looking, I kept, I could swear I was hearing something like down this steep drop off of the hill that I was on. And so I tried to creep up slowly a couple steps, keep trying to peek over just to see, because I know I'm hearing something moving around over there. It sounds like it could kind of be like hooves on rock. And there's this little scrawny dead desert bush that I'm trying to kind of stick myself close to just to minimize my, my movement. And I took one more step to try to get a view of this thing. And suddenly this coos deer buck barrels out of the brush below me and goes bounding away which was the closest I've ever been to a coos deer, for sure. Uh, he wasn't a big buck. He was, you know, kind of a forky coos, which if you've ever hunted coos deer, those suckers are small anyway, so a young one is especially small. But the, the tag in that unit is good for any antler deer, uh, coos or mule deer. And even though he was tiny, man, had he given me a shot, I absolutely would have, would have taken that because there is something special about uh, harvesting a coos deer with a bow. Uh, I have not done it yet and would love to. Anyway, he goes bounding away and that other mule deer that I initially went running after never turned up. But I mean, I, I'd been in this spot for all of 30 minutes and I have already made a, a quick and failed stock and spooked up a coos buck. Like it's, it's exciting. Great times. So I, I hike back over to where all my gear was, sit down, start glassing. I'm glassing another maybe 10 minutes when I pick up movement in the bottom of this drainage and there's, there's a few does and then I finally see antlers and there is, it's the biggest buck I've ever seen in this area. So not a gigantic buck. He's, he's a solid, pretty big three by three. Um, but for this area where I'm used to just seeing forkies everywhere, he was great. He was rolling with his does. He was sniffing them. He was pushing them around. This is the very end of December. So it's like some pre-rut activity and I just, oh man, my heart started racing when I saw this guy because he was 300 yards from me with some does. Uh, they were just feeding along. They had no idea I was there. I had a good wind. And I thought, oh man, this is, I'm going to have a real shot at this guy. And so uh, I decided to try something different that I, uh, I typically have attempted to just watch deer, let them bed down, and then try to stalk them in their beds. Lots of guys are super successful at that. Uh, I have a buddy who's a, uh, wildly more successful <laughs> deer hunter than I am, uh, who says most of the time he likes to move in on them while they're still feeding, like try to pick up which direction they're generally going and start to make your stock while they're, they're moving. Cause they're distracted. They're making their own noise. Um, it, it's just, it, he has a ton of success doing that. So I thought, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and the way they were moving was, was great for the wind that I had. And there was this little drainage off to my left that I could get down into where they wouldn't be able to see me anymore. And I could work my way down the hill and where they were feeding is kind of surrounded by a lot of junipers. And I thought, perfect, I can pop up and then just kind of go from tree to tree and close the distance. Hey guys, this is Eric from Late to the Game Outdoors and producer of Hunting Stories. I wanted to thank Bun and Beanster for making this show possible. These guys are the real deal. 
Whether you're a seasoned business owner or a startup or running a side hustle like I am, they can help you with your branding, logo, easy to manage websites, and fresh creative ideas for your business. They can also help you look the part by helping you design those tricky one-off events. They deliver amazing printed goods, quality apparel, even signage. Truly a one-stop creative shop. And they stand by their work guaranteed. For free consultations and useful resources, go to bunandbeanster.com to check them out or catch them on Instagram at bunandbeanster. Now back to the show. So I, I managed to get down to that drainage. And as I'm on my way, one of the does, I would swear, is looking up at me. And so I was just playing it super slow. Like I would just stare at her and whenever I would see her turn her head or look a different direction, I'd take another couple steps. She would look back at me. I'd stay super still. Like it took me a long time just to get to that drainage. But once I dipped down off the hill where I was out of their sight, as quietly as I could, I booked it on down there. And then I popped back up once I was parallel with the big trees that were in their way. And uh, I couldn't see them, couldn't really hear them. I knew they were still there. At least I was hoping they were still there. I hadn't heard them blow out or anything. And I think I made a couple of grave errors. Uh, one is that I was just too too amped and too excited about it to take my boots off. Like I, I just, for whatever reason, convinced myself like, ah, the, the ground is kind of wet because it's been raining. Um, and let's face it, it kind of sucks to walk around in your socks. So, so I kept my boots on, which is probably a big mistake. Um, and I think like as slow as I thought I was going, I just pushed it too fast. Like I, I was feeling confident because I had so many junipers that I could hide behind and move around in uh, that I, I, for whatever reason, it just gave me this confidence to move quicker than I should have. Uh, so I, I was thought I was slowly stalking, but I probably should have gone at half the speed I was going um, with my boots off. So I, cause I was creeping up and, and trying to get you know, a visual on where they are, but also stay hidden. And then at one point I finally, uh, I could see legs. So I knew I, they were still there. Um, and I took a step and unfortunately just heard that sound. Every deer hunter hates to hear that, that doe just like, like blowing at you. Cause she's mad, which is a really weird sound to make. Uh, like biologically, I wonder what makes them say, this is the warning sound we're going to use. But I heard that and thought, crap, this is this is the end. Uh, I kind of leaned over a little bit, ranged the doe who was staring right at me. She was at 104 yards. So they're, they're still out of bow range. And uh, sure enough, once you hear that, that blowing sound, you're not going to, like I stood still. I waited. I stopped doing anything. But the she had sounded the alarm. They kind of rallied together and dove on out of there. Um and I thought when I was glassing, I saw that buck and I thought he had maybe five or six does with him. Uh, as they ran away, there were at least 15 does running around with this buck. Like he had he had gathered his harem and was just ready for them to start coming into heat. Uh, it was crazy. But they they ran up and out of sight. Um, and they actually like they ran away and they would stop and look at me and then they ran some more like they weren't just like doing that insulting bounce away from me so much as they were kind of trotting. Uh, I th they never winded me. They just knew something was up. Uh, so I actually like was just out of curiosity. I was like, I wonder how far do they run when they're spooked? Um, so I actually, once they were up and over the hill, I booked it all the way up that hill just to try to see where they were to see if I could pick them up again, or maybe they would have calmed down already. Well, unfortunately, I, I crested the hill and could see them. They were about 120 yards away, 
and they could also see me because I was moving quick. I was not as quiet as I probably should because I, I didn't think I was going to catch them to hunt them. I just thought I was going to learn something. Um, and sure enough, they uh, that second time they thought, OK, this guy is definitely following us. And then they bounded away and I never saw them again. But it's a killer start to uh, morning one. So I uh, at that point, it was about lunchtime, decided to finally set up my camp, um, prepped some firewood, ate some lunch, like just kind of took care of some of that business over the afternoon, uh, set up in glass the rest of the afternoon and the evening, uh, different sides of the, the ridge, just trying to check stuff out. And there really, there was not a lot of afternoon activity for whatever reason. Uh, that night finally was able to dry my boots out, uh, cause they were wet pretty much all day, but, uh, got them steaming by the fire so that, uh, they were, they were nice and dry the next morning. Uh, that more middle of that night, the wind started just ripping through that area. Uh, and it was not letting up. So I, I started, I was glassing predominantly a North facing slope and that was definitely the windy side. Uh, and usually on under normal conditions, it's just kind of packed full of deer. Uh, that morning there was nothing over there. So I, uh, after a couple hours of that, I decided to kind of come back up and over to the other side of the ridge to see if maybe they were just trying to, uh, stay out of, stay out of the wind. They were on the other side. And as I crested the hill, kind of back over where my camp was, I see this, this lone forky buck just sort of cruising out in the open a couple hundred yards down from my camp. And he's heading down towards this little gully. And based on the direction he's going, I, th I think or I hope, man, he's going to come down this little gully and then just pop up the other side. And I would have an easy path up and around where he can't see where I could intercept him once he crosses over to the other side of that drainage. Uh, and so I book it over there. And once I, I slowly crest up over next to this bush and uh, I try, I'm looking around trying to pick him up. If he had kept the course I thought he was going to take, he would have been, you know, 50 yards just walking right past me. Unfortunately, I see him still on the other side of the drainage. He had gone down the hill to get out of the wind, turned right, and started walking away. Um, so I watched him for a little bit, and then he disappeared into this thick stuff. And I watched for what felt like forever and never saw him come out on the other side. So it was early for a deer to bed, but I thought maybe he bedded down in there early to, to get out of the wind. So I stalked my way down there, right up next to that thick stuff. He was not in there, so he had he had disappeared somehow, giving me the slip. Um, but it had turned things around from a, a windy morning where I didn't see anything to making a stalk on a buck. I then set up uh, glassing into the wind, which is miserable uh, as the glasser, but is more effective because I just kept picking up groups of deer that were all on that side because they were trying to hunker down out of the wind. Unfortunately... Every group was nothing but does and fawns. So spent the afternoon doing that. Uh, that evening, I went back over. The wind finally subsided mid-afternoon. I went back over to glass the north-facing slopes. Um, and as I was sitting there, uh, I had glassed the whole range a couple times and was thinking, man, there's nothing here. So I'm just going to – I was debating with myself, should I move and try something else? Or it's still a little early for evening activity. Uh, maybe I should just wait and they're going to come out. And then out of nowhere, these deer appeared in the bottom of the drainage real close to where I had stalked the giant buck the morning before. And it was a, it was a doe and two fawns. And so I was glassing them and trying to figure out where they had come from and, and hoping maybe a buck had been hanging behind and he was going to come out and join them to eat. 
and then uh, to my horror, I see this blaze orange hat riding a mountain bike down this old overgrown road that's in the bottom of this uh, drainage. And I think, well, here we go. Granted, this is public land. We're all entitled to it. Um, and it, I suppose it's what I get for for choosing to hunt off of a network. For it, It's an old road where you, it's only, you know, foot, horse, and bike that can get back in there. Um, and I've never seen horses back in there. So perhaps I should have, you know, taken an even more wild or hard to get to place. But here comes Orange Hat working his way down the road. And he doesn't even see these does. I can just see him getting closer to them. And sure enough, the, the, the doe starts bounding away and the fawns follow her and they're looking back. And so I see Orange Hat. Uh, he jumps off his bike and hides behind this bush and gets his glass up because he, it's what I would have done. He was startled by some deer and so he was looking for antlers in there. And those deer run away. And I see him kind of walk his bike a little further down, chains it to a tree. And then he starts to, to climb up the other side of this ridge. Uh, and I'm just thinking, well, crap. Here goes my afternoon hunt. Like he is in that space. Um, and so I, I glassed a little bit more, glassed kind of to some other directions where maybe he hadn't spooked them out. Um, but I, I decided to stay put there that maybe he would, you know, it's a big enough range that I'm looking at that from these other directions, or maybe he's going to spook something out that's going to run to the side. Uh, nothing's showing up. And the, you know, I'm about down to the last 45 minutes, half hour of glassing and shooting light. And I see orange hat reemerge <laughs> from the other side. He was walking back down to his bike, starts to ride out. And so I'm like, well, there, there goes my day. Okay. So I decide to head back to camp. And up to this point, every time I had gone back to camp, I had run into deer. Uh, like they haven't been at my camp, but I crest the hill and kind of scan and there's deer there. Um, so I do the same thing. I I crest that hill very slowly. I get to my camp. I'm, I'm scanning out in the area where I, you know, seen deer and I don't see anything. And I had this little folding chair that I was using to sit and glass in. And so I just kind of lazily drop it next to my tent. And suddenly I catch motion out of my peripheral vision. And I look up and there are three deer, one of which is a d decent sized forky buck. And they are starting to run away. And they are surprisingly close. Uh, like I, I mean, they knew I made the sound, they looked, they saw me, they were, were taken off. But I just cause I'm a glutton for punishment, stopped, pulled my rangefinder out, glassed where they were standing and they were sitting right at 65 yards. The last pin on my bow is 70. I feel real comfortable out to that range, which means that had I just looked a little more carefully, looked a little longer and just not made a stupid sound, it is highly possible. There were a couple of gaps um, in the brush and in the trees along the path that they took where I would have been able to just sit there right next to my tent, draw my bow and get a shot at this buck. But I was foolish and not paying enough attention and they were gone. Went to bed that night, woke up the next morning. It was a little bit warmer than the previous morning. And unfortunately, the hunt ended on the, the least climactic morning of the day, uh, of the day, of the weekend, um, that I, I saw a couple more does, a, a few groups that I had been there long enough where I was starting to recognize groups like that, that the doe and the two fawns that orange hat scared, like I saw them again, uh, just in a, another little part of the drainage. And um, I was starting to recognize these pockets, but uh, none of the bucks showed up. 
And as I moved from one spot to another to finally just decided I'm going to spend the last hour I have uh, kind of hunkered on this other side in the shade of a tree, I, I made one of those just missteps where you're not like I was looking and scanning the area and not watching my feet and just caught some weird lump or rock or something rolled my ankle so bad. Just, just one of those rolls where like your brain makes all the weight come off your foot. And if it weren't for the tripod I was holding that I could catch myself on, I would have absolutely just fallen on my face. And so I laid there just feeling like that burning swelling kind of feeling that you get when you've injured yourself uh, and still wrote it out for the last hour I had given myself because I had to get back home. It was, it was New Year's Eve. We had people coming over. And now I've got this injured ankle. Uh, so no, no deer came by at that point and just chose to head back to camp. And it was time to pack everything up and figure out how to get out of there. I was a little over three miles away from the Jeep at that point. And uh, man, fortunately, in my med kit, I always have an ace bandage. I've carried it for years and never even cracked the cellophane on it. And there have been times where I've been packing up and thought, man, this thing, it's not heavy, but it takes up a decent amount of space in my little medical compartment. Uh, I've toyed with the idea of leaving it home some trips, but uh, man, I am so glad that I never did because had to wrap that ankle, tie the boot extra tight. Uh, I was going to hike out with my bow in hand because there were tracks and stuff all along the, the road leading in. Uh, but decided it was wiser to strap it to the pack and use my trekking poles to help stabilize and take some pressure off my ankle. Um, you know, pop some ibuprofen and, and hit the trail. And when I came to those river crossings that were going to soak my boots, I just decided, you know what, I'm heading out of here. I'm just going to let the boots get soaked, keep my ankle supported, uh, and then just change into my dry socks back at the Jeep and drive home in my socks. So uh, that's what I did. I just kind of took it easy, took it slow. Uh, the ankle did all right, made my way across all the rivers, down the road, uh, back to the Jeep and, and came home. And uh, man, I, I wish that the story obviously ended with a, a dead buck and a great pack out story. But uh, man, what I love about that weekend and, and other weekends that I've spent back in that area is that even though there's not like usually huge dramatic you know, trophy bucks running around. I love how many stalks I get in. Like I am, I am willing to, to shoot a smaller deer, uh, if it comes to that, or even just get the practice that comes with getting to put in multiple stalks a day, uh, and the practice of glassing and, and just watching deer behavior. Um, essentially I would, I would rather be in a target rich environment than a trophy environment. Uh, and I know there, there is a lot to be said and, and I'll get some pushback on like letting deer grow to a certain level of mature maturity. Uh, and I, I totally get that. And you know, if I was looking at that big three by three and he had a forky with him, obviously I would have targeted the bigger, more mature buck. Um, but as I said at the beginning, this is a, a last ditch effort, end of the year, this tag is going to go unfilled. Uh, and at least for me, especially when my freezer is empty, I will take any legal buck, which uh, in Arizona, we don't have like point restrictions. It's just, you got to have an antler on your head. Uh, I'll, I'll take that over what might look really cool and impressive on Instagram. But that's just me and to each his own. If it's legal and ethical, go for it. I, I support you. Anyway, that is the, the end of that story. 
Um, but uh, man, more to come. Uh, currently, as I'm recording this, uh, Spring Bear is right around the corner. And I was just talking to my buddy who has been out looking at stuff and uh, said he's already seeing tracks. Um, and it is super uh, rainy and wet this winter. So there should be a lot of green growth that bears are hitting. And so hopefully this, this long-standing curse of the bear that I have, which I'll tell some of those stories and episodes in the future, uh, hopefully that's coming to an end this spring. I can finally put a, uh, a Bruin on the ground. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Uh, if, you, if you'd be so kind to leave a review, uh, rate the podcast, it really uh, helps, it helps people find the podcast more organically and, uh, and helps me out. So thanks again. We will see you real soon for more hunting stories. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hunting Stories. And if you want to stay up on what we're doing with the podcast or anything else going on with Late to the Game, go ahead and check us out at latetothegameoutdoors.com or give us a follow on Instagram at latetothegameoutdoors. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.